So start off by telling me, are you really fine? Hello and welcome to the latest episode of No Really, I'm Fine. I'm Michael Pearson and I'm joined because she's so busy on the phone with Gemma. Just for our introduction, you're not on the phone for the whole of today's episode, are you? <laughs> no, no, thankfully not. So yeah, um, in this episode, I have a chat with Sarah Gustafsson and Sarah actually got in touch with me a couple of weeks ago um, and she's from Liverpool and she just had a really nice story and it was a very emotional conversation for me and Sarah. Um, so as, as you'll find out shortly, she talks about being Miss Liverpool Curve 2019. She talks about her autism, her ADHD, her OCD and her depression and anxiety. And she jokes in the episode, she has a lot of letters after her name. Um, but yeah, she, she reflects on the various traumatic experiences throughout her life and it's so refreshing and inspiring to see how she's gone on to wear those experiences, if you like, on a sleeve to try and help others. And the fact that she's embracing her body too, and is now Miss Liverpool Curve, which is a, a beauty pageant, which represents diversity in a range of, of plus sizes. It's really amazing to see. And, you know, going back to um, the very early episodes of our, of our podcast, where we talk about body image and body positivity, I feel like Sarah very much represents that, but she also brings something else to the table as well, where she's, she's battled quite a, quite a hard life as as you'll find out um and for me it's been a difficult time for me as as you know Michael at the moment and I really related to what Sarah had to say so much so that we were um both crying in the studio um you know and as a journalist you always try not to cry when you're when you're interviewing someone um just because you you know you want to be professional but in this case you know um understandably we're, we're both human and it, it really did affect us um but so much so that after the episode finished we actually talked for quite a long time afterwards and 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 for me Sarah is now someone I consider a friend and it's funny because a lot of people say, you know, they've made many friends in the mental health world and the mental health community since talking about their own experiences. And I just feel based on this episode, that's very much true. And I just just hope that people listening who have who are reaching rock bottom and hopefully not gone too far can really relate to this episode and, and get some help and advice from Sarah, as, as I very much did. Hi everyone and welcome to the episode of No Really I'm Fine. I am joined by Sarah Gustafsson today who is Miss Liverpool Curve 2019 and she's here today to talk about how she's battled a lot of mental health problems to become Miss Liverpool Curve and she's just just here to talk about body positivity and how, how she's sort of overcome that stereotype. So Sarah welcome, thank you so Hi, much for joining us. For having me. So we start off by asking all our guests are they really fine? So Sarah, are you really fine today? Um, to be honest, I'm a bit overwhelmed, a bit nervous. Um, I don't really have this done. I haven't really done things like this before. Um, but yeah, I am. I'm okay, but I'm not 100 percent okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're in a safe environment yeah. today, so we can just chill, can just have a chat. It's, yeah. It's, it's all good. So, Sarah, do you want to just tell me a bit about who you are and what Miss Liverpool Curve is all about? Um, Miss Liverpool Curve is a beauty contest for um, plus size girls. I applied for it because I've always struggled with my weight. 
and the factors of me feeling like I won't fit into a stereotypical size of being perfect yeah. really affected my mental health when I was growing up. Um, so yeah, that's that's about the beauty contest. It represents girls from all different races, nationalities, sizes, just diverse really. And I'm, I'm, I'm classed as disabled also. So I think that's a real nice touch to be able to have that title with my disabilities too. And how did you hear about it? How did you come across um, the competition? I entered the, another competition a few, um, a few months back and it wasn't really for me. But then from that one, I know a few people that were talking yeah. about this one. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned you've always struggled with your weight. So wh- when did that start for you? Was it when you were little? Just talk mm. me through that. Um, yeah, when I was really young, I remember being as young as seven, um, junior school and literally not eating like my dinner in school. Really? And things like that, yeah. Because I think I'm 29 this year. And when I was growing up, there was none of this. You know, curves weren't really seen as being beautiful. It was really stick-thin models. Mm. And you did used to compare yourself a lot. And I was a bigger kid. Um, I've got ADHD. And I, de- I never got diagnosed till I was 24. So I used to impulsively eat too. Right, okay. Um, to cope with things that were going on. And so I was always a bigger person, bigger and I got taunted in school and you'd always just felt a bit out of place mm. um, and not comfortable in my own, own skin. Mm. So when you say you were a big kid growing up, like what, what sort of size? We, do you have to go for bigger sizes or? I remember being, um, like when all my friends were in um, children's clothes, I remember having to be in a woman's size. Mm. But I've, I was always not, not, not necessarily dead fat. It was more, I was dead tall as well. Yeah. And I was kind of like, you know, it developed faster than a lot of the girls. And, you know, when you're just not comfortable in your body and it does play a massive part in your mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also got OCD, got loads of letters after my name. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and that, like, it's more intrusive thoughts. So that along, alongside of, you know, having thoughts about your weight and your body can really torment you mm-hmm. um, in terms of trying to control food and mm-hmm. control things because of the way you feel. So talk me through about the OCD then, because I mean, I, I'm, forgive me for being ignorant, but I always mm-hmm. think like OCD is like, oh, you need different clean and stuff. Is it more, is there more to it than that? Oh yeah, a lot. Yeah. So much more. And for me, I'm not clean. <laughs> I'm not dirty necessarily, <laughs> but I'm, you know, I've got like a, me- a chaos mess, if that makes any sense. And for me, it's like intrusive thoughts. It's thoughts that torment me that I don't like, things that I'm scared of, things that are not necessarily... You know, you couldn't tell somebody what you're thinking because it's really nasty. Mm. And I grew up with these when I was young and they literally, I, I had from the outside, from my family, a gorgeous childhood. Mm. But inside I was so tormented because of the things I was thinking and not being able to like tell people because I thought there was something wrong with me. I remember at 19, I went to the doctors ready to get locked up because of the way I, I was thinking. I thought mm. I was that vile as a person and... um. It's hard, you know, even like talking about it now. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm going to be upset, but it's it's, yeah. na- it's natural, isn't it? But now I know that everybody has these thoughts and it's just the power that we give to them. Yeah. But in terms of having OCD, it'll make me, you know, not do certain things or have to do certain rituals and routines to make sure that it's, it, it, it feels better. Yeah. But now I know the only way to break it is to not do them. Right, it's so okay. torturous because everything in your whole body is telling you to, you know, turn that light switch off or make, like even right now, I'm sitting here thinking I haven't put my handbrake on. 
Yeah, when you are rolling away. Yeah, and I'm I, I pushed it, but I'm thinking no, but you never. Yeah, and it's this fight, and I'm thinking, gosh, I'll just go and check. Yeah, no, it can't, and it, it's hard to sit in it because it causes so much anxiety. But I think when you know about it, especially the thoughts, because that's the invisible type of OCD. Yeah, um, and it can be the most damaging because you're doing it to yourself. Mm. Non-star. Yeah. And it must be exhausting as well, constantly constantly having these thoughts. Yeah, it was, when I was growing up, it was really bad. And also, I tried to control everything around me because the way I was feeling and thinking. Yeah. Um, My dad was really ill when I was growing up, so a lot of that was like, if you touch that, he won't die. If you do this, he won't do this. And and it's, you know, you can't control the future. Yeah. You've gotten, you've physically got no control over anyone else's reactions to life or you've only got control over your own and when your mind and your body are playing games it's really hard yeah I, I know sort of to the understand the extent of what you're saying because um my boyfriend's just gone to Benidorm on a holiday and um the week it said that you know Spain was issued with a terror threat and and especially Benidorm so I worry every time like mm-hmm. you know whenever he goes away I worry but to hear that as well it was just it was just um really tormenting so but I'm a bit like that when whenever even my dad takes the dog out and stuff I just worry that he's not gonna come home and it's just little things like that but I can't imagine having them thoughts all the time mm-hmm. it must yeah like, like I say it must just be exhausting it is it is exhausting and I think like I'm I'm got autism I've got ASD ADHD so I've got loads of letters <laughs> and I think that the OCD is a side effect of me not being diagnosed and not dealing with you know them disabilities as as they are and just feeling different and the anxiety that caused it I feel like I developed OCD from that because I was trying to control things around me because I felt out of control in myself yeah um them thoughts are torturous there's mm-hmm. like there's no other word to describe them but when you don't understand them, it's a lot worse. So now I tell myself, ah, you must be a bit stressed there. Yeah. That's why these thoughts are this bad. Yeah. And I kind of listen to them now where I'd run away from them. Yeah. I think we always do that. We run so far away from them. We've got to keep distracting ourselves because we're so scared of what we're thinking. Um, And for me, you've got to sit there. And it's like, it just sounds funny, but you know, in school, when someone asks you, do you want to have a fight? Do you want to have a fight after school? I know it's funny, but it's not because at the time, how scared are you the whole mm. day? You're like, oh my God, they're going to kill me. Oh my God. And this, the what if, the what if, the what if kills you inside, doesn't mm. it? But you know, at the end of the day, it probably doesn't happen or it's nowhere near as bad as you think. And that's what it's like. Mm. It's like that what if game that you play with yourself mentally drains you, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's never as, well, nine times out of ten, it's never as bad as you imagine that it's going to be. Mm. Um. But it's about sit for me. It's about sitting in them thoughts now, yeah, and listening to them mm. and feeling it. Sometimes feeling dead uncomfortable. But then when I've listened to it, I go, okay, thank you for that. You sort of have to let it pass. Yeah, yeah. Rather than going, go away, go away, go away. Yeah, because I always say, like, I wrote my own courses, haven't I? And this is one thing I teach people. I say, don't think about that monkey eating a banana with a waistcoat on. Stop thinking about that monkey. <laughs> and people go, oh my God, I go, what are you doing? Yeah. And the first thing they say is, oh, I'm thinking about that monkey. Yeah. And it's the same when you're saying, don't think about, you know, your boyfriend's in men's arm. Yeah. Stop it, he's going to be okay. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Your brain's thinking about it. Yeah. So sometimes you've got to think about it. You've got to trick the mind and be like, okay, I'll think about you now. Yeah. And then it goes, oh, okay. And it loses its power. It's a bit like that bully when you go, okay, then I'll meet you there. They go, oh. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. strange, but it really, it does work. I've noticed as well, another strategy I've learned is where, I set myself like 12 o'clock ago, right, you're allowed, you're allowed to think of this now. Right. I'm taking the control. Yeah. Like, go on, you know, think about this thought. 
sometimes you're like you don't want to because it's headed <laughs> the feelings that come you're more scared of the feelings than the thoughts aren't you there yeah but every feeling is stemmed from a thought mm. so it has been hard life yeah and you mentioned when you were little, um, what were some of the thoughts that you were having and, and have they changed as, you, as you've got older? Um, to be honest, it was anything that I was scared of. So um, when I was really, really, really small, I just like I didn't understand, um, you know, about relationships or about anything. So I didn't know all I seen was my mum and my dad together type of thing. So in my brain would be like, oh, yeah, you fancy that girl, you fancy that man. And I'd be like, I don't, I don't. And it'd be like, you do. And then because I was like about six or seven, I started, I didn't understand that, that it's okay. Yeah. It's fine to fancy a woman, it's fine to fancy a man. It's absolutely love is love, like as I grew up. Because I was young, I don't, it, it would just play tricks on me. Like, it would be like, I don't know. I I, I used to care for my little brother a lot because my dad was ill, he's um, got renal failure. Um, and it'd be like, and my worst fear was anything happening to them. I was terrified I've got a little brother and a little sister yeah. so can you imagine similar to you yeah. your boyfriend goes away yeah um on holiday and you know you get scared of what's going to happen I'd be minding them my mum un- un- unaware of any diagnosis that I've got caring for my dad and I was about 14 to say at this time and my brain would be like he's going to put his fingers in that plug mm-hmm. and then you're you're going to just sit there and watch him mm-hmm. and horrible things and I'd be like I'm not I'm not you know like or yeah. um, this paedophile is going to come and get him mm. and you know you're a paedophile as well and I'd be like oh my god you know yeah. and it's so it's just anything that I was fearful of like I'd turn the news off because I don't like it I'd, and it's you know it's even hard to say even a statement like that because it's such a horrible thing isn't mm. it mm. and like my brain would be like oh my god you're a murderer mm. I'm not and it's like this fight because I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I was. I, I went to the doctor once um, when I was 19. Like I said, I had the suitcase ready. I didn't even tell my mum and dad. It's mm. so hard um, to even speak about. I had a little case and I was like, I'm getting out. I thought I'm getting locked up now. I'm not going to see you again. Mm. Um, so I had that. Mm. Talking about that. <sighs> Sorry. No, it's okay. Take your time. When I went to the doctors with this case, I generally thought that these thoughts were not normal in a sense. Um, yeah. They were so horrible. And I'd lived with it for so long. I was about 19, 18, 19 mm. at this point. So this had been going on since I was 12, yeah. 11, even younger. As I said, when I was six or seven, it was like, oh, you fancy this. Mm. Um, oh, another thing my mum said when I was growing up, from the age of six, every night she used to tell me I'm not going to die. Mm. I'd be terrified of death. Yeah. Baby would be like, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. And, you know, just like things that kids shouldn't worry about. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I went to doctors and the doctor just like put everything down just looked at me and was like do you know if you were this person that your brain's telling that you are do you think you'd be that upset because mm. I was distraught I was sobbing because mm. I, I was generally thought that I was I must be this horrible person if I'm mm. these horrible thoughts mm. but it's about to so not associate not giving them power yeah um but yeah that's when and like, they were the fake. game changed a little bit yeah. they were fake thoughts weren't they none of it was true it, the thoughts of they're not true thoughts no. 100% not true but it's like, it stemmed from an anxiety and a fear. Um, and it's like my worst nightmare. Yeah. My brain, I'll keep hold of my worst nightmare and like terrorise me with it. Yeah. Because I'm really sensitive to the way I was thinking at the time. Like the average person, I go, ooh, that was horrible. I'll just let it go. I wouldn't even think mm. twice about it, but I'd be analysing it. Why am I thinking like this? 
uh, and it make me feel sick. Yeah. To the point of where I would be sick at some point, and it was just horrible. Yeah. It really was hard. And have they changed as you've got older now? Have you, or yeah. is it more you've learned to ignore or let them pass? I think now it's kind of like as you grow up, life is real. If that makes sense, you kind of get more of a concept of reality and not real, not real. And obviously, when you're young. You don't understand love or you don't understand, you know, you know, any form of relationship or you don't understand right or wrong situations. But as I've grew up, I know that like it kind of worry about things that, you know, are quite normal, but excessively. So as I said, my dad's still ill, so I'll panic and worry and make myself ill over that. Like I'll wake him up at three o'clock in the morning just to check his lab. Yeah. I'll phone him and he's, he's like, will you, will you stop? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, I'm just sorry, love you. And I have to say, love you every time I leave a room, just in case something happens. So it is torturous. But as I said, it's not unrealistic thoughts now. It's not like you said, you're a murderer. Because I'm like, when I have them thoughts now, I think to myself, oh, you're really stressed in another area of your life here. Yeah. Your brain's going back to old habits. It's trying to think things to, to relate to the stress. Um, so I kind of. No, I feel better because I know the difference between something that's kind of normal to worry about and something that's not. Um, and I don't beat myself up for them now. Yeah. I used to torture myself for having them. Mm. But now I think, oh, it's just a thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you said you got diagnosed at 24, was it? Mm-hmm. What took you to that point? When did you say, right, I, f- I think I need to go to the doctors and get a diagnosis? Well, um, personally, I haven't really... I had amazing experiences with doctors. Mm. Um, I've always knew that I felt different. I've always overthought everything. Everything. I've always been dead sensitive to people's mannerisms because I don't find it very easy to know if someone's being angry with me or not. So I'm overly like, are you angry with me? If that makes sense, which causes mm. me more anxiety because I think they're angry with me and they're not. Yeah. Um, so I've always knew I was a bit different and I've always... Um, being naughty in brackets naughty no, I wasn't naughty but just like someone who was like don't touch that fire oh, why I want to touch it to see what it feels like you know that's my brain which like is not that always impulse a, yeah. sort of thing yeah it's not always a bad thing because you know that's how I learn I'm really clever in a way like I've got I've got a master's degree I did a 23 before any diagnosis oh, yeah. um I'm really you know when I want to learn something my brain's like a sponge but at the same time if people don't understand your brain and how it works you know, you can look naughty, can't you? Like, yeah. Sarah, don't do that. I'll do it. Because my brain goes, why? What are you going to do if I do it? And it asks 10 questions every time you tell me something. And I want to know the answers to all of them. Mm. Um, my little brother, though, um, he won't mind me saying, um, has got ADHD. And when he was, there's nine years between us. So when he was 14, he got diagnosed with ADHD. It took him a long time. My mum um, was like, this is... When she had me, she said that she thought, um, you know, it was just kids. Kids are just like that. And then she had my sister and she, she, she was like, oh my God, these kids are so different. Yeah. She thought maybe it just got two different kids. And she had my brother and she was like, what? Okay. Like, there's a similarity between these two. And it was more talked about when he was growing up in school. A bit more to watch out for these signs. And mm. not as much as it should have been because he got diagnosed at 14. But um, more so than when I was in school. Um, when my mum spoke to the doctor with my brother, um, the doctor said, she said, my daughter's on antidepressants. She's going downhill. She won't come out of her room. Um, the doctors were like, and she was like, my mum said, 
he was an absolute twin of you. My mum said, yeah, my mum said that to the doctor and um, the doctor said, well, she spoke a bit more to this doctor about me and she he said to her, go and get a test for autism too because some of the traits that she's portraying is not just ADHD. Um, and my brother's now getting diagnosed with, in the process of autism, we've done it back to front of the pair of us. Mm. Um, so yeah, if it wasn't really for that, I probably would have fell through the radar and still been struggling. When I was 19, they put me on antidepressants um, and I wasn't, I was depressed, but more so struggling with these things that I didn't get. Um, I went to 16 and a half stone. I have got stretch marks now all over me and it really messes with me now as a mm-hmm. woman because I haven't had children and I see my mates with children think, God, their bodies, you know, aren't like mine. And mm. uh, people don't understand that, you know, you, you can gain weight through illness, you can gain weight through a lot of things. Um, I never come out with room. I come out, but I was like a potato. I'd just go to bed and eat and go to bed and eat. And I lost all personality. I lost everything that I was. Mm. It like numbed my whole body. I think I was on 80 milligrams of Prozac at one point, which is quite high. Yeah. Especially for a 19, 20, 21 year old. Yeah. Um, and they made me, they made me worse. I'm not knocking. I've been on Prozac and yeah, no. I'm not yeah. knocking medication and I'm not no, a no. professional. But I think with any form of medication, you've got to keep checking in with yourself. Yeah. And if, I, if for me, I was getting worse and I had to keep taking more and more, why? Yeah. And that's a question I had to, I, t- I say to people a lot now, just keep a little diary of you because I lost myself. And I think the recovery of fans and myself again was really hard. But. Yeah. And everyone's different, aren't they? So, so for some people, Prozac works for them yeah. and then all the antidepressants work for them. Yeah. But um, are you still on them now then? No. Yeah. Um, I, at one point, I got that I got that bad um, where I was falling out with people and I just didn't care. I was in a long-term relationship and I broke up with him and I didn't care. Mm-hmm. That, like he could have punched me in the face. I wouldn't have felt it. Mm-hmm. I was just like... I can't even, it feels like them years were like blurred, completely wiped out. I'd sleep most of the time and I'm such a person with energy and loves life and even though I struggle, like as I said, I had a master's degree up until this point, like I literally thrive off, you know, creativity and stuff like that and it just wasn't me. So I went cold turkey. Well, before that I had this big argument with my mum and and I just didn't want to be here no more, you know, Mm. and um, it's hard to even talk about stuff like that, isn't it? I just woke up and I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. I'm too tired. I just can't. I don't see the purpose. I don't care. Mm-hmm. That's the way I felt. And and it's it says ironic because when you're in that situation, it's not on you've ever been in. Yeah. You can't even describe it to you there. Like people can call people selfish and stuff, but you're just not thinking of anyone no. else. No, you're not. You just can't cope. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, isn't it? Because when you're not in that state, all you can think about is everyone else because mm-hmm. you're worried about everyone else oh is thinking. God, totally. But then when you're in that state, yeah. you don't care. <laughs> so it, it's, it's just like, it's not even like you don't care. You don't have the thoughts to care. Yeah. You're in so much pain that you just can't face it. Yeah. And it's hard, isn't it? It's hard yeah. work. I've it's been hard there. work feeling like you're alive with everyone else. Mm. Like I, when I did like tell my family and stuff what I'd done and seeing like my little sister's face and stuff like that, you know, you do like, snap I don't know not say snap out of it because you, you don't because you're in them you're not well you're not well yeah. you can't just snap out of something that you, that you are but it was the wake up call I needed to to tell myself that what I'm doing at that minute isn't working yeah Um. you know the days where you go there but the, the only message, message I'd, pa- I'd pass on to anyone is the rain passes like mm. that feeling like because I'm so impulsive in myself 
sometimes you act on an impulse rather than a genuine feeling. You can mm. you can feel that intensity, yeah. Um, but it it passes, mm. and it's when you're in there, you've got to tell yourself like this will pass. Mm. It really does does go, and you've got to hang on in, in there and be brave enough to you know go talk to someone about how yeah. you're feeling. Um, right, I done it the wrong way. After that, though, I went cold turkey, completely cut them out, and it was horrendous. Yeah, like, um, don't recommend it to anyone. I should have really went to doctors and done it safely. But I was like, no, you've took over my life. You know, like, I had this attitude, like, no. Yeah. Um. So I just stopped taking them and the sweats, the shakes. It was like, it was like my brain was so fragmented. It was, I was, it was so dangerous mm. to be fair. But when, when that lifted again, um, I, I did struggle a lot. But I was 23 when, when this all happened. And as I said, I got diagnosed at 24, so I was close to getting answers. So how did you feel when you eventually did get your diagnosis? It's quite strange because I got diagnosed with Asperger's first. And for me, someone with autism, stereotypically, the media portrays somebody with autism as one type of way a lot of the time, you know, these shows Mm. that you see. And Mm. that's why, like, you know, I think it's as important that people talk about autism in a different way. Yeah. I'm quite, I can socialise, I can, you know, speak to people and stuff like that. You're sometimes, doing this now. Yeah, yeah, sometimes I get so overwhelmed though that it's unbelievable. And some days, like, I can't go out the house because it's that, the it's me, I'm very sensory over, overloaded. So sounds are 10 times louder, you know, sense of touch, someone bumps into you, it's like they've punched you. Um you smell everything. It's like, and if you imagine being in a world where all this is so loud and you're trying to listen to someone talking to you or everything blares into one, you just feel like curling up into a ball and mm. literally rocking because you can't, it's like painful. Um, is that like, for you, is that like that for you all the time then? Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't go away. Yeah. Um, but being able to talk about it helps because I go to people sometimes, I'm sorry, I've got autism, I'm a bit overwhelmed, so just bear with me for five minutes or, you know, you can put your headphones in or... I can only go off a day-to-day basis of whether I can do things. Like today wouldn't have happened if I woke up in a different mindset. Not even a mindset because it's something I can't control. It's out of my hands, you know, but I try my best to fight through it. Um, But something as little as this where I seem as, oh, I'll be in bed for the the rest of the day. Really? Yeah. Mm. It drains me mentally. Yeah. Um, It takes me two days sometimes to recover from little things because it takes everything you've got. Have you heard of mirroring? I think so, yeah. I think I've heard of that before. I think, yeah. So typically girls, they say, are more pro at it. That's what they say, not stereotypical type of (laughs) men. Um, But it's like you mirror people's behaviours and we become masters at like watching people. So people say, how did you get to 23 with a master's degree? And and I must have been like watching every single person around me and portraying all these people. Mm. And for instance, if I go and do a role or... You know, as I said, when I'm well, I run, I run courses. I wrote my own from scratch, from whatever I've been through. Um, it's like I put on a uniform for that day and I'm that person. Um, when I was doing my master's degree, I've, it's in fine art. So I've done it in digital. So I've done a film called Who Do You Want Me To Be Today? Mm. And that's exactly how it feels. Yeah. Like, Who do you want me to be today? Okay, I'll be this person. But that's exhausting in itself. Mm. And that's where I feel like you lose yourself again. Because... When I did get diagnosed, people were like, oh, you've been diagnosed, like you haven't half changed. And it wasn't. It was like, I haven't changed. I've been this person 
forever. But now I feel like I can give me break, myself a break. Yeah. And I don't have to pretend to be someone else now. Yeah. I've got, an, I've got like a bit of a label now where I can go, that's why. So if I don't want to talk to you, I'm not. Yeah. Not because I'm being rude, just because it's going to kill me if I make myself, in, in a sense. Mm. Um, I think diagnosis is a weird one for people because sometimes you think you get a diagnosis and it goes. It's sometimes just a um, key to open a door full of mm. work, mm. basically. And obviously 24 years is, is a lot to unpick when your brain's designed to think a certain way. And no, I kind of lost sense of who Sarah was. Mm. Um, am I ADHD? Am I autism? Am I OCD? Is this Sarah now? ADHD Sarah that can impulsively go blah, 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 blah. Mm. Is this autistic Sarah that can't? But then... Now it's like I'm just Sarah. Yeah. These are just me. This, it's not, oh, this is me and this is me. I'm just Sarah and this is the way I am. Mm-hmm. And this is the way I'm wired. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's fine. Like, I accept that sometimes things are more difficult, but then I also accept that I've got a massive gift and I see the world like, through my own eyes. I can come into people's worlds, but people can't necessarily come into mine. And that can't be a bad thing, even mm-hmm. though I can be lonely. Um. I'm I'm quite I'm really creative. I've got a talent within that, and stereotypically, people with autism have a, a particular thing. Mm. That's their thing. Yeah. Um. So, have you ever watched The Big Bang Theory? Yeah. Sheldon, you know, obviously he's a quantum physicist, isn't he? Mm. Or and that's his thing. Mm. Um. Mind art. That's mm. my go. That's how I've coped. That's how I've survived. If I didn't have it, I don't think I'd be here today. Like, really. And my courses, my business is called AU Artistic Courses because artistic and autistic, it's only a difference between it is you and the art. Mm. Like you, me and you, we are. So it's how you look at what you've got. You can look at it like how oh, it's a disability or you can look at it like it's an ability. Mm. Um, I definitely try and use mine as an ability now. So talk to me about your courses then. Where is it you run them and, and who are they for? So they're just setting up. So I've had a lot of um, help with the Prince's Trust at the minute and it's a set up me own business it's not like I've only just started taking um, permitted work a little bit from the Princess Trust themselves um, but I've ran it all over Liverpool I've ran it in Life Rooms I've ran it in um, Hubert College Rotunda College um, Empire um, those are the places that I can't think of off the top of my head um, and it's amazing and it's stereotypically oh, I pass Young Persons Advisory Service mm. it's stereotypically works better for 14 pluses I've found mm. I can't tweak it for younger, but I think sometimes there's an element of wanting from the person who's doing the course to want to improve themselves. You know, you can't force anyone to learn anything. Or so I think when they're a bit younger, they kind of see it like you know you're just another class, you're just maths. You know, so um, these courses are from my heart. The how I've coped from that transition period of being suicidal, not coming out of my bedroom to now, you know, not being on medication, um, you know, setting up my own business. I've got a PGCE, I'm a teacher, um, having a master's degree, you know, a drive, things that I never thought I'd be able to do. Um, I live on my own. Um, don't get me wrong, I have a lot, a lot of support, a lot. Um, I'm not, you know, golden woman on my own. I feel like I am because of the things I do myself. Yeah. But the journey I've been on is huge. The, like if you were to see me a few months ago, not even a few months ago, a few years ago, I'm completely different. And it started with me taking responsibility for myself. Stop looking outside. That doctor to fix me, that tablet to fix me, that person, that course, that everything to fix me. And I never 
I come at it a different in a different perspective because I don't promise I'm going to fix people's lives. I promise I'm going to show them how I fix mine. Yeah. And then hopefully I can inspire them to do the same. So it's basically, a, I wouldn't say a mental health course, even though it's a lot of mental health awareness is inside. It's a general well-being course for anyone who just wants to improve the well, the, the mindset. Everything that we do and think starts with how we how we think. Mm. Everything we feel starts with how we think and we don't realise it. Like, what did you think when you first woke up this morning? Uh, uh, I'm tired. I'm not going to the gym today. <laughs> exactly. Like nine times out of ten, people can't remember or it's negative. Mm. And we, we, we're not born like that. It's something we do over time. So we start our day off on a negative. Mm. So I like play games where I say, right, you've got to get, wake up and recognise what you're thinking straight away and then to replace it with something better. So what are you grateful for? You know, and mm. I have to play these games with myself in the morning because that's, the, the, sometimes that first thought for me was everything so whether I got up that day or not yeah like and it, I'm not I'm not dissing people or myself who has a bad day and stays in bed it's okay to be there yeah. but you can't be there tomorrow mm. you can't you're allowed to give yourself that space but you've got to take some form of responsibility in owning it when you don't own who you are and how you are you're powerless mm. and powerlessness in any circumstance in life is the most painfulest thing mm. you know if you're going through a heartbreak you know a grief you're powerless to how you're feeling. Mm. OCD, you're really powerless. Start your hands. <laughs> yeah. But if you can start trying to, re- I wouldn't say control, but replace the thoughts that you're having with better ones, you do become more well. Mm. Um, I've been to Buddhist monasteries. Have you? What were they um, like? Amazing. Yeah. And you know, I've I just, always wanted to go to something like that. Yeah. I just wanted to go to, I'm not religious. Um, you know, I'm open to, I love every religion. I like learning from every person. I'm just one of them people. Um, but I like, I needed, I couldn't understand how someone could be so calm and how someone can sit there for that long when my brain doesn't leave me alone and I'm fidgeting and I can't sit still and I'm like, Argh. so I just wanted to really look into it. So meditation helps me so much now. Mm. Um, so basically this course is wrote from every avenue of my life, every strategy I've got. Um, and it's artistic, it's fun, mm-hmm. sorry, it's creative. Um, it's like, it's real. I've had people, men, um, which obviously is a massive thing now, men opening up, isn't it, and speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know yourself, it's the biggest killer yeah. in men. Um, I've had this 65-year-old man come over to me and say, nothing's ever worked before. I've done every course. I've done everything, but this is really gelling. And I think because I've got it, I live it. I approach it like that. I'm no different to use. Mm. I'm I'm these 14 year old children or, you know, young people or, or adults. I'm no different. I'm not a medical professional coming in, you know, with a clipboard. I live, breathe it, eat, sleep and do all this. Yeah. As well, I've got loads of experience with working with mental health. I'm a teacher. I've obviously got a master's in art. So it all fuels together. Mm. But having it is everything. Mm. It's that relation. Mm. Um, I wrote the comments I got in the Princess Trust recently was... They were so impressed at how I created a safe space for these young people to massively open up to me when they didn't really know me. Yeah. Because I really, I think any counsellor, any doctor, any, you know, even teacher, you can't, there's a a relationship there that you've got to have where you can't disclose who you are mm. to that person. But for me, getting well was seeing other people open up who they are and being not afraid of their conditions and mm. and really own it that made me be comfortable with who I am mm. enough to work on myself. So I just have that approach because I can, because I've got that platform where I can say, 
you know, I've got autism, I've got ADHD, I struggle with depression, I've got anxiety, you know, I've been suicidal before, I've self-harmed massively, like, Mm. all these things I can relate to on a scale then until you go through them, you you know, Mm. you can't physically tell someone what it feels like till you're there. Yeah. I believe that with everything that I've got. Mm. When I was, like, 19, my eyes used to roll to the back of my mind, like, as soon as a doctor would come in, I'd be like, how do you know? Mm. I'd get so angry. And I'd be like, how do you know? Why are you giving me that tablet? That's my attitude. I'd be so snotty. And in my master's, I, had to re- I actually wrote a book called Listen, which is, I had made loads of films with no sound on called Listen, because that's the way I felt. I was telling them all this stuff, but none of them could hear me. Yeah. I was drowning. No one could actually hear me. No one could see me. I was just invisible. I was just an um, experiment, mm. a tablet, a, a pair, like, Go away and I'll fix it. it. It didn't fix me. Um, I had to do it myself. And I think just waking up and thinking, this one doctor, I'll give him. You know, when you have one of them significant moments that, like, yeah. you go, oh, put his arm on my shoulder. And, just, you know, obviously unprofessional because I don't like being touched or not on me. And I was like, oh, what are you doing? And he went, Tim, you do now. This is how blunt he was. You do now. Nothing's going to fix you, you know, only you. Nothing. Nothing. Part of me went, oh, thinking, oh my God. Then I thought, you're so right. I've got mm. a choice here. I've got to, you know, you can't just go, I'm going to get better. Cause that's not, you've got to be kind to yourself. You've got to really be kind to yourself. Um, but you've got to, first of all, accept that it is your job mm. and kind of look inwards a bit rather than outwards. So going from there to a beauty pageant, then was that something that you thought was your next step in terms of you wanted to show to the world how far you've come? Um, to be honest, I'm not. I wasn't necessarily my first initial thought thinking about the world. I'm 30 next year, and I felt like a lot of my younger years were wasted. You know, I felt like I've lost them. Um, I get even a bit choked up talking about that because that's exactly that's how I feel. I feel like I was like a, a potato. That's the way it was. I wasn't me, and I missed out on all these years where I found I, I found myself hating myself. I thought I was grotesque. I used to make myself sick to self-harm I couldn't have lo- self-loathed who I was and, mm-hmm. and how I looked so much and, and it doesn't matter how many people tell you you're beautiful or it's when you don't see it or feel it yourself I think you know it doesn't it, it's, it's got to be an inside job I've been 10 stone before 16 and a half stone before and I've felt the same yeah it is how you feel you know if you get on scales and they tell you a lower number even if the lion's yeah you're going to feel different mm. That taught, that taught me something. So this is something in my head. This isn't about my body. And why am I so obsessed with trying to, you know, if I had loads of money, I probably would have had so much surgery and because of things I don't like about myself. And and as I have grew up, I thought to myself, why can't I do that? Mm. Why can't I? You know, I got picked on a lot. I remember one boy saying to me once, um, I remember I was just allowed to go to town, you know, just allowed to start drinking, which is not a good idea. <laughs> and um, I don't remember someone saying, you can't come because only nice looking people can come. And now I know I'm not ugly. I know mm. I'm not. I know um, beauty is in the, in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. Have you ever seen someone who you thought was drop dead gorgeous? They opened the mouth and they were a horrible person. Mm. And you've you just naturally, they become ugly to you. Yeah. And have you ever seen someone you thought, oh, they're, you know, they're okay. But then you got to know them and they are 
stunning mm. and everything about them is gorgeous everything's like i generally believe it shines from within mm. hugely in your personality and your mannerisms and your way um and if i can so going swimming when i was younger even now oh my god it's something i battle with mm. um something i'm trying not to because i want to represent the fact that you know i'm body confident and stuff like that but if i had to be dead honest i'm human mm. um and it's that little girl isn't it that little you it's not the you now mm. the you now knows knows what's going on in the world and is strong the little girl's like uh, uh. when she's a bit broke you know, she comes up doesn't she mm. every time I put a cosy on she's there like <laughs> and I'm like oh. every time I've got my swimsuit on she's like oh my two best mates are older than me and um, we're still best mates now and I'm so lucky we used to go swimming and one of them would run in front of me with a towel and the other one would run behind me otherwise I wouldn't get in mm. Um, and I thought, no, I'm taking this power back. Like, by the time I'm 30, I'm getting on stage in a bikini and I'm owning who I am, stretch marks, all these flaws, because it represents a journey to me. I'm mm-hmm. getting, like, choked up for this. Being hard. Yeah. Really hard, but I wouldn't change anything. Mm-hmm. I really wouldn't. And I want that message to be for someone out there now, like, you've got to, your pain can be power. It can. Mm-hmm. It can be powerful, massively. You can own it. You can use it to relate to someone you've got the power to save people's lives when you feel that way mm. and um i know i've stopped people from killing themselves i've got messages i've got it online facebook and instagram vlog <laughs> which is so funny <laughs> um which is called mental health diaries and it is that so as i mentioned in me masters i made videos um so for me, it's behind the closed doors person that no one sees that people need to see. Yeah. That is what people need to see. People see me out, you know, in town or dressed up or, and they would never know in a million years what I go through. Or even just have a look around the house, mm. you know. <laughs> but, you know, we all got that person, haven't we? Can you yeah. see it? Food on our top, our socks on. That's like a daily for me. Um, and I'll make videos. They're so raw. And they're on that web. They're on that. And for me, it was kind of putting it all out there, even though people were telling me not to, you're exposing yourself. And But I thought, how else is these these young girls going to know? And how else, are, if it's not me, who else is it going to be? And that's the way I felt. And I felt like, in a way, I've been given all this stuff for a reason. Mm. And I really do feel like I can, really have, I can help so many people. Um, and you know what? Going back to the beauty pageants and even my courses, You've got to start with the real reasons of why you're doing stuff and everyone's got an ego and not let it get took away with it. Oh, I miss Liverpool. <laughs> Do you, like, you know, mm. obviously I think yes and all that, a little part of me. But the real reason is I want to, you know, represent what I felt and mm. how I felt. And same with my courses. I want to save people's lives. I want to help people not go through half of the, you know, the torment and the torture that I went through. If I can just tell someone that I'm having these horrible thoughts, maybe that I have them. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it just, it makes you go, oh my God, really? Because I lived in silence for so long. And now I, f- I felt like when I got my power and got, got a bit better and well, I had to scream from the rooftops, like, it's okay, do you know, like, yeah, yeah. in a sense. <clears throat> These videos, if you, you could check them out on, on, some of them are on YouTube as well. Some of them are dev funny. Some of them, I'm literally sobbing. I'm having panic attacks on some of them. Some of them, um, you know, trying to flirt in the gym. I haven't mm. got a clue. And I'm laughing because I'm like, I'm on the treadmill, like, are you going anywhere? Because mm-hmm. 
uh, like things with uh, like my autism don't come natural yeah. with the way people I'm not saying flirting comes natural to people but uh, you know some people are born with certain skills that I just <laughs> haven't got and I've got to learn how to do it um, but yeah yeah I just I, looking back I wouldn't change a thing mm. because you, it does shape you yeah and this Miss Liverpool contest for me I, I, I love I love not more than to be a diverse you know classed as disabled autistic plus model for these younger girls um, and men because mm-hmm. you know I know my my family men my family my brothers they really struggle the way yeah. um, they struggle so much with what they're wearing and how they look and massive thing in men that's not even noticed as much but if I can just be a bit of reality to people I think that's massive it's magic isn't mm-hmm. it and with the Miss Liverpool Curve, um, the competition, does it end at some point? Is this, is the like stages you have to go through? Um, so I am Miss Liverpool Curve now, yeah. 2019. But then I compete for um, Miss Beauty, Miss British Beauty Curve, um, 2019 in August. So right. I'll have that. Yeah. If I win that, but uh, you know, I'd obviously be love it to win and be amazing. But if I don't, I've already won because for me, and then that sounds so. I've already won, you know, cliche, genuinely, that is for that little girl. Yeah. But I can get on that stage in that in that swimming costume, in front of an audience, in an arena, you know, theatre. God, like, I'm not religious, but God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, wow, like, I can literally... Do you feel like you'll be able to do anything then? I'm powerful. Yeah. I'm a powerful person and, and I'm letting go of the hate. Yeah. And the people who said can't and it's something for me it's powerful for me you can do anything it is uh, when I put them videos out there if I don't do it who else is going to do it if I don't do this who else is going to do it yeah. do you know who else is going to teach my little sister that when she watches Love Island tonight or whatever show she watches she doesn't have to look like that mm. you know who else is going to do that because that for me was one of the biggest biggest factors in my mental health I mm. think growing up yeah feeling overweight and and obviously when you've got an illness that makes you really eat because you're so impulsive and so down and you know, and you want to feel better quickly, don't you? At, yeah. You're getting a little tiny bit of happiness through binge eating mm. um, and then feeling disgusting afterwards. It's like a proper cycle. I struggle with food so much even now. Um, a lot better life now. Um, I think when I see these girls now on, on, on the adverts and that, you're like, yes girl, aren't mm. you? Because you don't look at them any different. You think you're gorgeous. Yeah. And I think... My message to any person is being unapologetically yourself and not having to justify yourself to anybody and owning who you are from the inside out is the most attractive, beautiful quality any person could ever have, Mm. ever. When you know how gorgeous you are from the inside out, everyone else knows. Mm. Because everyone wants a piece of it. confidence, isn't it? Yeah. So, Sarah, I feel like I could talk to you for ages. Um, but oh, la- sorry, I didn't think I had anything to say. <laughs> Last, <laughs> lastly, where can people go then if they want to like find out a bit more about you and find out a bit more about how to get on your courses? Yeah, um, so I'm in the process of setting my website. It is half set up, but it's um, a Wix account. So it's auartistic, I think it's .wixsite.com. But if you go onto Facebook and type in auartistic courses, I'm on there. Also, my name's Sarah Gustafson, but I've got a page on Facebook called Mental Health Diaries. And that's where, you know, you can check out the vlog. A lot of things are on there. Um, but yeah, so my me, me business is called AU Artistic Courses. So that's online. 
I haven't actually got a phone number yet. I'm still in this last step of getting a little grant to get, you know, my leaflets done and things like that. But yeah, the website will tell most of it. Yeah. Um, but you can contact me on Facebook and social media. Brilliant, Sarah. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. us today. It's been it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you so much.